The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. More than 40% of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care, with guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Meryl Griff. Welcome to Call Between Generations. Thank you so much for deciding to spend your time with us today. I know how valuable your time is, so thank you. So it's almost holiday time. Actually, it is holiday time. And so some of us are very, very excited and we're very joyful. Some of us are a little stressed or a little overwhelmed or a combination of those. But, you know, I think sometimes we tend to forget about at this time, sometimes it's a, it's a difficult time for people. And sometimes people are sad and sometimes people are feeling lonely. And I think when we do think about it, we think that that's because someone in their family has passed away or they, they've lost someone in some way. Um, and so it's a difficult time for them. And that's true, but can also be a difficult time because people are in a long distance relationship and we're beginning to see more and more of those long distance relationships. So with us today is Dr. Terry Orbach, who is AKA, I love this, the love doctor, and who is a world renowned relationship expert. She's an author, a therapist, and she She's the director of a landmark study funded by the National Institute of Health in which she's been following the same couples for almost three decades. That's 30 years. We call that a longitudinal study. And it, it's not usual um, to see couples being followed for that long a period of time. Her sound advice has been featured in many, many national publications, including the New York Times, Women's Health, and Cosmopolitan. And she has made appearances on many, many top-rated shows, including the Today Show and CNN. Dr. Terry Orbach, it's so great to have you with us today. Thank you so much for agreeing to join us. Oh, thank you for having me. So I want to begin our discussion with your work um, that you've done with this number of couples for um, three decades who are living separately. So why do you think we're seeing such an increase in this type of living arrangement? Well, I think we're definitely seeing more and more that people are struggling to actually stay in the same state or the same city so that 
one person gets a job and, you know, because they can't find a job locally, I think that's one reason. But also, I think more and more people are meeting each other online. And so that you have people who are established in two different cities or regions of the country, and they just can't make it work in the same city or the same state. You know, it's it's interesting to me because I'm about to enter into a, a different phase of my life where uh, my husband and I have been married actually um, over 45 years, mm-hmm. um, and he's retired. He retired two years ago. I'm mm-hmm. psychologically really not ready to retire at all. Um, mm-hmm. And he's having more difficulty with his mobility. And because of that, for the first time, actually, he's going to, we have a place in Florida and he's going to be spending um, January and February in Florida. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to be going back and forth, which I know is not quite a long distance relationship, um, but it is. And I hear among my peers now more and more of that where couples are separating uh, for, you know, four, six months at a time. So it really perked my interest. Dr. Horbach, in, in mm-hmm. the families you see, it, is it the same dynamic or is it a different dynamic that occurs in military families or is that a completely different issue? I think some of the issues and challenges are similar. Um, I think that the couples that I see or the families that I see who are having a long-distance relationship that are not military families or couples have more control over their communication, over their visit times, and scheduling FaceTime together. Whereas I think it is a different kind of challenge where you're not able to communicate, you don't know when you can communicate, and some of the things that you talk about um, are off limits or you can't talk about certain topics. And so that adds a different challenge, I think. But in general, I think it's the same kinds of, of processes and issues. For example, I do think that jealousy and suspicion and paranoia about what your partner is doing when you're not with them is very common regardless of why you're separated um, because of distance. And I would encourage people to be as transparent as possible to include your partner in what you're doing on a daily basis. So talk about, you know, who you're meeting with for coffee or a drink or breakfast or dinner. Talk about your work colleagues and include them in your day-to-day life. Because when you don't, people's minds run and they imagine things that might not be true. Except, um, I mean, I, I, what comes to mind immediately when you said mm-hmm. have a drink is, you know, if, if you're one of your colleagues happens to be a member of the opposite sex, all right, and, and nothing is going on, but, you know, you're going to coffee or you're going to lunch and you're saying, you know, well, you know, when I was with Bob today, you know, he made a really insightful comment about what was going on with either my work or one of the children. I mean, I... I I mean, I think the tendency would be to leave that out of your conversation. Are you, are you saying you should just include it in a, in a natural way? 
Yes, absolutely. I think um, the tendency is to not talk about it. And this is true whether you are in a long-distance relationship or you're living in the same household, in the same city and state. I think when you omit things, when there are secret topics, that's when our partner begins to wonder. But when you do talk about it as a natural kind of thing, um, then your partner is allowed to be a part of it. Then your partner can ask questions, and then you can talk about it. It's what we don't know, Meryl, that I think then um, keeps or produces our mind to wonder about that secrecy. And that's when jealousy occurs. Because jealousy has nothing really to do with our partner. It has to do with our own insecurities and our own confidence in our relationship and in ourselves. It's interesting. So in your um, article, How to Survive a Long-Distance Relationship, which occurred in Next Avenue, you you talk about a number of Mm -hmm. strategies um, for people who for handling long distance relationships, and and one of them we just talked about, which was to don't keep secrets. What other one do you think is very important? I think also it's very important uh, to sit down with your partner and define the parameters of your relationship or your new long-distance arrangement together. So for each of you, what are your concerns? You want to ask your partner, what are you concerned about? And then share your concerns with your partner. When you've got everything out on the table, whether that be domestic issues like who's going to you know, do the household upkeep, the car, the finances... Um, if you have kids, what is that going to look like? Um, you want to talk about how often will you visit? Because when you share your expectations about your relationship, and in this case, it's a long-distance relationship or arrangement, um, people don't get disappointed then and people don't get frustrated. It's when you have an expectation that you don't share so your partner doesn't know about it, that people get frustrated and disappointed, Meryl, and then that's what eats away at happiness in a relationship. I would also think, Terry, that's a good suggestion because I I tend to think you would then find out um, about expectations and concerns that people have that you never would have guessed, that you, you never would have anticipated that your partner might have. And, Absolutely. And- Absolutely. And because even when you've been married 30, 45 years, as you said, I've been married 24 years, you, you can't mind read. You, you can think you know your partner, but people change and people have expectations, concerns, feelings that you just don't know unless you talk about them. One of your other strategies was to uh, reframe the negatives, Um, and I thought you had a really, really good um, suggestion and a a technique for handling that. Would you share that with us? Yes, I think it's um, switching your approach. So instead of reframing uh, the long-distance arrangement in the negatives, uh, you know, we won't be able to do this, you won't be with me, think about what the benefits will be. So you will have more time to do your own thing. You won't take each other for granted. Uh, Your reunions will be sexy and exciting because they'll be new and different. So it's all about reframing your thoughts 
to see the benefits rather than looking at the negatives. And when you do that, Meryl, I think it, it, it gives you a different approach, not only to life, but to your relationship in general. And I always, as a therapist, encourage people to do that in general, to reframe cognitively anything that's occurring, a challenge, a struggle, or a relationship issue to look at the benefits rather than the negatives. I I liked your suggestion about trying to find and name at least three benefits um, and that I'm assuming what you mean is that each of the partners would list three benefits uh, of the long-distance relationship that they would share with each other. Um, And I thought that was a great suggestion for any situation um, where people are struggling. And I encourage people to write those down too, Meryl. I mean, when we can write them down and then share them with our partner, but also keep that list with us because there will be down times. You will miss your partner. You will feel loneliness. You will expect them to call and something will come up. And it's always then to take that list out and look at it during those times to remember you know, that there are benefits um, after, and again, share them with your partner, but also keep that list with you. What about daily contact? I mean, should you have daily contact or, you know, how should, how should that happen? Or is it the decision of the partners? Well, I encourage people to establish frequent and regular contact. Uh, what that means to the partners is is up to them. Um, and again, I think you want to share your expectations about what that means because to one person it may be, you know, three times a day and to another person it's three times a week. So I think it's important to establish frequent and regular contact, but the meaning can vary from couple to couple. But you want to use all of to technology that I think we have in today's world. So um, you can use the phone, you can Skype. I mean, it's wonderful to see each other, Meryl. So use FaceTime or Skype to actually see each other and look at your nonverbal behaviors and your smiling and your eye gazing and all of that. Very important. Um, but you can text, you can email, you can, you know, instant message, you can, you know, do all kinds of frequent contact and share the little triumphs and challenges or tragedies that are going on in your life as well as funny things that may have happened to you during the day because that connects us, that bonds us. It also allows our partner to give us support through the good and the bad times that we may have through our day. We've been talking to Dr. Terry Orbach, who is a, also known as the love doctor. And I'll tell you quickly my reframe. I decided that if I'm only speaking to my husband for five minutes a day, whatever it is on Skype, I could look great every day. All right. I wouldn't have to look haggard. I could like do my I makeup like and my hair. I could look great. All right. I could become like a whole new woman, you know, during this time period. We'll be right back. Dr. Warbach, we're going to be talking about in-laws relationships when we come back. Stay with us. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
At SarahCare, we provide daytime activities and health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities and home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-Care.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. I am here with Dr. Terry Orbach, who is also known as the Love Doctor. And we just had a great first part of the show talking about strategies for long-distance relationships and having a good laugh about how if you're separated from your partner and you're only talking to them for 15, 20 minutes a day on Skype, you could look fabulous. You could become a, a whole new person, as, as Dr. Terry just said, and you would have more time, you know, to go shopping so you could look even more fabulous. <laughs> Shopping, that's where my mind went. (laughs) So now that we all look fabulous, we're going to another topic, okay? Um, Let's talk about in-laws because it is coming around holiday time and and we're talking about families and we've done a lot of talking about family estrangement and adult children and their relationships with their parents, but we haven't ever talked really um, about in-laws. So, what to do? What to do? For example, if your parents and your parent-in-laws don't get along, and now we're all gathering together, it's either a holiday or a family event. What are your suggestions for that? Well, first, you now I think it's important for all of us to understand that that is very typical. That most people experience higher levels of stress over the holidays, and then when you add the dynamics of parents and in-laws. It just becomes more. And following my couples uh, for the last three decades, that's one of the things um, that happens with most couples. We do experience additional stress, and then in-laws come into the picture, and it just makes it more stressful. I think it's important to understand why that is stressful, especially with in-laws. Um, I think most of us want approval and want to acceptance by our in-laws. 
laws. And because of that, we are constantly trying to please them. And so we don't know how to say no and we don't know how to set boundaries. Um, second, I think it's more stressful because the differences between our family and our partner's family become much more apparent. There are different traditions. There are different personalities. And all families bring what I call their historic baggage to these family holiday gatherings. So the differences just become more apparent, and that adds more stress. And then finally, I think it's more stressful because our guest lists are often based on obligation. We need to quote, invite our in-laws. We need to have both our parents and our in-laws or partner fa- partner's family at the same time in one room. Um, first, I think it's important to always let other people help over the holidays. When you allow everyone to be a part of the gathering or the event, they, everyone feels like they're part of the team, Meryl. And when you feel like you're part of the team, you're invested in the outcome. And that means that people are then going to be on their best behavior or they're going to try to. They may drink less. They may see less uh, negative or uh, criticisms. And so when you let others help, that helps with the stress and that allows people to more likely get along or maintain the harmony at the event. You know, Tori, I think those that's an excellent suggestion, but based on an experience I just had, actually, I'm going to mm-hmm. piggyback on that for a moment if I can and just add that if you ask someone to help um, and they do it and they follow through, then your response needs to be positive. Um, and the reason I say that, I was just... Um, I was just involved with a family where um, one of the siblings told another sibling, just bring all the paper goods, you know, bring, this was Thanksgiving, so just bring all the plates and the napkins, the Thanksgiving, whatever, um, because the the sister was traveling a very long distance from out of town to get in. And when she, when she came, um, the sister who had been cooking everything and cleaning and getting everything ready. And I think was feeling a little overwhelmed. The, the sibling walked in with what she was supposed to bring, what she was asked to do, which was to bring all the paper goods. And her response was, ah, well, you know, I've been sitting and cooking, cleaning for 12 hours, but thank you so much. I don't know what I would have done without the paper goods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it just blew up. Um, right. Right. Well, I agree with you completely. I mean, when you ask someone to do something, then you have to be okay about the outcome. It may not be what you would have done, um, but it allows you to have everybody get involved. And it's funny you should say that, Meryl, because one of my suggestions always is that the person who is hosting the family holiday event uh, take time to consider what others will bring and make sure that you're okay with it so that if someone isn't good at cooking or baking, you know, have them bring the paper goods. I always say that. Um, (laughs) Or have them bring a game or flowers or a bottle of wine. But then you need to be okay with what they do or bring. And so I think we all have these, you know, perfection expectations, and that's part of why these holidays are totally more stressful, and we have to lower our expectations. There's no family that's going to be totally perfect. Um, so allow people to do what they are going to do and say thank you. 
<laughs> so, Terry, do you think that this whole issue of dealing with in-laws, do you, do you think it's different for men than it, than it is for women? Yes, I think it is completely different, Meryl. And one of the things that I have found and written on a lot is that when you look at in-law relationships, it is very different by gender. Um, One of the things I found in this long-term study following married couples over time for 30 years is that when husbands report that they feel close to their in-laws, that couple, that married couple, is almost 20% less likely to divorce over time. And that seems intuitive, that seems like common sense, that he's getting close to her family and that's rewarding to her. But what I found is that it's the opposite for women. Um, When women say they feel close to their partner or husband's family, that couple is almost 20% more likely to divorce over time. So that when wives feel close to their in-laws, that couple is at jeopardy. That couple is distressed and that couple is more likely to divorce over time. Oh my gosh, that absolutely blows me away, Tari. Absolutely. I I never, (laughs) ever would have thought that. I mean, that is just fascinating. I mean, why do you think that is? Do you have any idea? I do. I have two ideas. First, I think um, as women, we have a hard time setting emotional boundaries from one relationship to another. Um, So first, I think that when in-laws say things about us or about something concerning us, we take it more personally. We take it to heart. So let's say our mother-in-law says, oh, Terry, are you sure you want to feed your kids dessert before dinner? Or, you know, dinner is coming in an hour. Are you sure you want to give your kids that candy? I say to myself, oh, my gosh, how can my mother-in-law say that? She doesn't think I'm a good mother, right? We take it personally when that may not have been the intent of my mother-in-law. So as women, we need to set boundaries. It's okay to say no to our mother-in-law. It's okay to say no to our father-in-law. And it's okay if our in-laws say something. Don't take it personally because it's really a matter of control. It typically I would say 90% of the time has nothing to do with us and more to do with them. So that's, I think, the first thing that happens. Second, I think what happens with women is that we spend a lot of time and energy on our relationships, and we want them to be good, and we're constantly trying to improve them. So when there are issues in in in-law relationships with which inevitably are going to occur. There are going to be ups and there are going to be downs as I've looked at these couples over time. Um, We spend a lot of time and energy trying to repair and improve it. And I think that takes away time and energy and strategies from other relationships in our life, including our spouse and including our children. Hmm. That's just fascinating. Terry, I have to ask you one last question because um, obviously emotions are running very, very high right now around issues like the recent presidential election, even things like climate warming. So how do you steer conversations away from such highly charged topics? And we only have about a minute, so if you could answer me quickly. 
Sorry. Well, first, I encourage people not to talk about religion and politics or any topic that you think is going to be tension-filled at your family holiday gatherings. But one of the best ways to keep conversations light is to ask questions. Get other people talking about their work, their childhood, their hobbies. People love talking about themselves. So the more you ask questions, the more they won't talk about the sensitive, tension-filled topics as we discussed. Okay, we've been talking to Dr. Terry Orbach, also known as the Love Doctor. This has been a great conversation. You, you've given us great tips, and I've learned uh, a lot from listening to you, and I'm sure our listeners have too. If they want to know more, how would they find out more information from you or contact you? Well, I have a website, drterrythelovedoctor.com. That's all one word, D-R-T-E-R-R-I, thelovedoctor.com. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn, and any of those are possible ways to get a hold of me. Dr. Terry Orbach, thank you so much for joining us today on Caught Between Generations. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, when, I want you to stay with us. When we return, we'll be with Tina Tassina, and we'll be talking about um, working it out, how to be happy partners. Stay with us. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Where's your dad? What's he doing? You'd know if he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. You'd know Sarah Care LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know. How's your dad? He's just fine. At Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. Do you understand what really needs to be done for your health? Or like many, are you mostly letting what you hear and see in today's media dictate your healthy lifestyle? It's time to get focused. There is a reason why cancer, heart disease, chronic fatigue, hypothyroidism, and other illnesses are running rampant in our world. Ganino Wellness Radio with Dr. John and Linda Ganino will show you that there are easy, preventative, everyday steps to get you back on track. Listen live every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drmerrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. I am Dr. Merrill. 
And in this part of the show, we will be continuing our discussion on how to develop happy relationships. So in the words of our next guest, who is Dr. Tina Tessina, her work is designed to help you gain a relationship that works for you. And it it really doesn't matter whether the relationship is traditionally monogamous, gay, straight, long distance, too clear, combination, some of the above. It doesn't matter. Tina's work is really relevant um, to all of us, regardless of the partnerships that we have. She is a licensed psychotherapist with over 35 years of experience. She is the author of 14 books in 17 languages. I, I just have no idea how she has time to actually do therapy on top of all of this, um, including the co-author of the work we're actually going to be discussing today, which is how to be happy partners, working it out together. Welcome to Caught Between Generations, Dr. Tessina. So great to have you. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for asking me. Thank you. So the foundation of your book is a method that you call cooperative problem solving. And and the basis of your approach is something you call the negotiation tree. So can you explain that a little bit to us? Sure. First of all, I just want to say there's a lot of research that shows that couples who succeed are the couples who can solve problems together. Um. What it, whatever it is, if it's a problem about sex or a problem about money or a problem about we're changing jobs, where are we going to live, any of those problems. If you learn a method for problem solving, you're way increasing the odds that you're going to have a happy and successful relationship. Cooperative problem solving is solving so that both of us are satisfied with the solution. I want you and me both get what we want, rather than, you know, one partner constantly concedes to the other partner. So on the negotiation tree, I mean, how would you explain that? The negotiation tree is a decision tree. Anybody who works with um, computer stuff understands what a decision tree is. It's an if yes, do this. If no, do that. If yes, do this. So you ask a question, and if the answer to the question is yes, you take this action, and if the answer to the question is no, you take that action. So we've taken that decision tree technology and turned it into a roadmap for couples who have a discussion that they're having trouble with. This roadmap can turn you from a screaming fight into a productive discussion. We designed it so that couples who are really upset, not thinking clearly, um, you know, freaking out, scared, can actually get down to thinking properly and really solve working on the problem. In my counseling you know, process... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. In my counseling office... I often see couples get stuck on who's right and who's wrong when what really makes them able to talk is focusing on what's going to solve this problem. You know, I think it's a good point. I will I say as a, as a therapist, um, I would tell families, you know, we're, we're going to work through these sets of issues and problems right now, but one of the other things I need to do for you is to teach you how to solve problems um, so that you don't have to come back here again. 
so that the next time something comes up in your life, um, you've got a set of strategies um, so that you can solve the problems. However, I will tell you that I love this book um, because it gives gives a great concrete frame of reference for doing that that I really liked. Um, one of your Thank first you, steps, Dr. Burrell, and <laughs> that's so important to to give couples the ability to solve their own problems so they don't always have to come to us. I like to say that as a therapist, I'm trying to put myself out of business all the time. I don't expect to run out of work in my lifetime because there's plenty out there. But, <laughs> but I keep trying to make people independent of me and independent of anything else so they can do it on their own. And that's what the book was designed to do, too. So I am very gratified that you appreciate that. No, I do. So one of the um, first steps you talk about is choosing a simple problem. So can you explain that and maybe even give us one or two examples of what would be a simple problem that you might begin with? Right. And the reason for that is to learn the process. If you learn it with a simple problem, then you can apply it to more complex problems as things go on. So a simple problem might be, We want to eat together, but we want different kinds of food for dinner. How are we going to solve that? You know, I think... Go ahead. ahead. Sorry. We keep doing this. Sorry. (laughs) That's a simple problem. I think it's a good point because I think when anyone, any of us learn anything new, I think we go from, we start with step 10 instead of yeah. step one. And and then we get frustrated and we say, oh, it doesn't work, you know? Well, I yeah, it doesn't work. So right. <laughs> so, so you're beginning on this new journey. You, you know, you're feeling really positive about this. I have this great technique. I've read this fabulous book, you know, and I've chosen a simple problem and uh, my partner already is not cooperative. You know, they're already resistant. So what do I do? This is the biggest obstacle to problem solving. The first step in actual problem solving is getting an agreement to negotiate. You want to make sure you and your partner are both there willing to negotiate. Lots of couples start with one person starting to negotiate and the other person isn't even there yet. They don't understand the problem. They don't um, know what they want to do about it and they're not sure that this is going to work out for them at all. So you can't get anywhere if that's going on. So you have to understand what an agreement to negotiate is, how do you tell if your partner is in this with you, and how do you get from no agreement to negotiate to an agreement to negotiate. We have lots of techniques and ways to do that. It's actually the biggest obstacle um, to actual problem solving is making sure you're both there at the same time, because couples don't. They ambush each other. You know that from your practice as well as I do. You know, I might be stewing on this issue for days and days and days, and then I see you, and you're about ready to run off to work, but I, I throw this issue right in your face, you know. Hey, we have to talk about such and so, and that's no way to do it. You can't, you can't do get to an agreement with that kind of a setup. The other barrier that you discuss is is the use of the word should. 
and I think a lot of us, well, all of us actually, you know, kind of have this voice in our head that's someone else from our past. You know, mm-hmm. you should, you should, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. So do you see that a lot and and how do you address that? Is it really a barrier in current relationships? It is a barrier. I call it should, ought, and have to. You know, you um, all those things are like rules that you have in your head. They really aren't relevant to what's going on now. So if you change should to could, not we should do this, which means I'm right and whatever you think we quote-unquote should do is wrong, you go, we could do this. That allows room for your partner's ideas as well as your own ideas. And when you get those ideas together, you're going to come up with something creative that works for both of you. Oh, I love that. I think that's a great tip. Change should to could. That's mm-hmm. great. The other thing you talk about, and I love this term, is secret expectations. I mean, oh, yeah. it's, it sounds it sounds like it might be fun and sexy, but hmm, maybe it isn't. So, <laughs> well, if, it, if it has to do with sex, it can be, but if it has to do with <laughs> money, it might not be so, so much fun. Um, the secret expectations so, are... Um, for example, you are very um, regular about coming home for dinner at the same time every night, and I like to cook, and I have dinner ready for you every night at this time. One night you don't come home at that time, and you come home an hour and a half later, and the dinner's ruined, and I'm all PO'd about the whole thing, and you don't even know what's the matter. Why am I so upset? Because I thought we had an agreement that you were going to come home at this time, and if you didn't get there, you were going to let me know. But we never actually spoke that agreement. So it's a secret agreement. I have a secret agreement in my head that you're going to do this thing. You don't even know about it. So when you inadvertently, because there's traffic or your boss wanted to talk to you after work or something, um, show up late... You don't know I'm all geared up to be upset with you because you didn't realize it was such a time schedule. It was just happening for you by rote. You know, you were doing it automatically, and one day it didn't happen automatically, and you didn't understand that I was counting on that. That's what a secret agreement is. So when you realize you have that secret agreement, you know, suddenly you, you're screaming um, at your partner and, and they're like, what? what? I, I, I didn't know that I was supposed to be home every night at five, you know. Mm-hmm. So so what do you do? I mean, do you just acknowledge that and say, oh, I'm sorry. I, I guess we got into this routine and I was my expectation. But I, I don't know. What do you say, Tina? You make it overt. I just realized because generally speaking, if you're really upset and your partner doesn't know what's going on, you have a secret agreement. It's almost a guarantee. So take a look at that. What is your, what is your secret contract that you're expecting your partner to adhere to? What is your expectation? That's the other word for it is an expectation. And um, just make it overt. You know, I thought because you've been home every night at 5 o'clock for the last, six months, I thought you were going to be home every night at five o'clock. And if you weren't, you would let me know. And then you get a chance to say, oh, I can see how you 
would develop that expectation. I'm sorry I didn't realize it. Next time I'm not going to be home at my usual time, I'll give you a call and let you know. Boom, problem solved. Ah, I love it. Great. Because it's been made overt, because you've said out loud, this is what I thought. And the minute we, for instance, marriage, the minute you get married, all of these secret expectations, secret agreements pop up that you didn't even know you had. I, I, my, I've been married twice. My Tina, marriage. Tina, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought. Okay. When, when, when we, sure. we have to take a quick break, when we come back, I, I want to hear about your secret expectation. I do. And we're going to come back okay. to it. We're also going to talk about some hot topics, um, such as power struggles and handling mistrust and old grudges. So stay with us. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities in health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, I'm Dr. Merrill Griff, and I am here with Dr. Tina Tessina, who is the author of 14 books, but today we've been discussing her book, How to Be Happy Partners, Working It Out Together. So before the break, I'm so sorry, Tina, I interrupted you. You were about to um, share a personal story with us, I think, about secret expectations. Right. I was just saying that I was married before. I've been, I've been married 35 years this time, very successfully. First time, not so good. <laughs> and and um, I was only 20, and the minute I got married, I all of a sudden changed into a different person. I was not in control of it at all. It was like a wife was somebody different than I had been five minutes before I was a wife. And my, hus- my first husband was like the greatest date, but he wasn't a great husband. He didn't know how to do that partnership stuff and the, you know, all the marriage stuff, you know, plus he had an addiction problem and so on and so forth. But um, 
I noticed in me, never mind what he was doing, that I just had all of these role ideas, you know. This is what wives do, and this is what husbands are supposed to do in response. And they were all secret agreements. We had never talked about any of them. So I think a lot of people have that um, that come up, that all of a sudden I'm in this role. All of a sudden we're living together, and that means something different than what we were doing before we were living together. All of a sudden we're committed in dating, and that means something different, but we haven't talked about it. So the more you can make all those secret agreements overt and discuss them, you know, the fewer time bombs are going to go off in your relationship. The, the other thing I think happens is as you go through transitions in your life, you know, um, you, you have routines, you have these secret expectations that you don't necessarily share with each other. You may not even be aware of. And then suddenly you have your first child or suddenly <laughs> yeah, someone right. retires, you know, and then you have major life changes. And then you realize, oh, my gosh, you know, this mm-hmm. is what we used to do before and it worked fine. Here is my expectation. But now things have completely changed. So I think there's a really high-risk times um, mm-hmm. when I think it's a great example you give of just you, you have to talk about it and get out those, those, you know, those expectations that you have that may not have been verbalized, but you may be, you know, acting on. Tina, let's talk about power struggles. So what is the basis for these power struggles between partners? Well, the classic power struggle is I'm right and you're wrong, or who's right and who's wrong. That's the classic power struggle. There's all kinds of, this is my territory. The kitchen belongs to me. You have to do it my way in the kitchen. Or the den belongs to me. You have to do it my way in the den. You know, all those things. are. Um, we have struggles about money that are power struggles. Um, anyone, anything where one person wants the control and the other person doesn't want to give it up. You know, if somebody says, you know, I've been an accountant for 15 years, I'd like to do the checkbook and do our money, and the other person says, great, you go right ahead and do it, there's no power struggle there, and one person does get control. Um, but if there, if there's a power struggle, if there's like, no, you can't control the money, I've had money problems with partners before, I'm not letting anybody control my money um, which is one I had, by the way, when I got into my second marriage, um, those you have to talk about and work through. You need contracts. You need agreements about what you're going to do that both people are happy with. So let's talk about then mistrust. So, you know, here's kind of, you know, an you know, example you gave, and I, I hear a lot. It's like, you know, the hands go up, and they're like, I don't want to start this discussion. I don't even want to try this whole technique, you know, you're showing to me here, because I know how it's going to end up. It's going to end up in a fight. I'm going to, you're going to end up insulting me. I'm going to end up hurt. You know, we always go down this path. I'm not walking down this path again. I mean, how do you handle that? Well, basically by reassurance. There are lots of kinds of reassurance. There's verbal reassurance, physical reassurance. I'm sure you know if you can get a couple to hold hands while they're talking about something in your office, the whole tenor of the conversation changes because of that body contact. And and, uh, we talk about setting the stage and providing those agreements. We also have a lot of guidelines for reassurance 
in the book, which are about if your partner is not is feeling scared and not willing to cooperate with you because they're afraid they're going to be co-opted or cheated or whatever, these are how this is how you reassure them. You say you're you being happy with this agreement is as important to me as me being happy with this agreement. You have to say it and mean it. You can't just say it. But, um, you know, or it's okay. I know I did this before, but I realized that was a mistake. I'm not going to do it that way again. Or, you know, I understand in your last relationship Money was a big problem, but, you know, I'm a different person than your last partner, and I think we can work it out. Those kinds of reassurance um, really help get an agreement from your partner to work on things. And if you try something small and you use this process, your partner's going to be reassured by going through the process um, that it's designed to make everybody's wants very important in the in the negotiation process. So that gets me actually, I had a thought that I, I, I really didn't have as a question, but I am going to ask you now, which is, okay, so I I'm listening to the show, I decide this is great, I go ahead and get the book. How do I present it to my partner in a, in a positive way that this is something, you know, I'd like for us to do together um, uh-huh. without their getting their back up or getting defensive? How do you do that? Well, there's a number of ways to do it. One way is just if your partner's a reader, just leave the book around. Don't talk, talk about it. Just leave it around and, let, and your partner's sooner or later going to pick it up and look at it. It's just that way. Um, people are curious, so that'll do it. Another way is to just read little tidbits out of the book that you think your partner will recognize and feel good about. You know, listen to this quote. It says, uh, you learn to overcome the barriers to agreeing to negotiate, which will make the remaining steps of the negotiation tree easier. You can see the change in, in language response. And just let that sit there. You know, Let's, do things that are tempting. Tempt your partner. You know, be, be a, in your case, you're a woman, so be a temptress. And, and um, say, wow, I'm just think, I think this book is really exciting. And then leave it at that for a while. Uh, you know, Tina, it's a, can't it's, a, it's, that. it's a lovely thought, except, you know, I'm such an old broad. It's hard to think of myself as a temptress. But oh, no, you, you're it, a temptress. It was a lovely day, thought. I <laughs> So, unfortunately, Dina, we only have two minutes left. I'm, I'm so sorry. This has been so great. I haven't gotten to everything I really wanted to talk to you about. Are there any last thoughts that you want to, that are important to you that you want to share with us before I ask you for your contact information? Yeah, I just want to say how the book came about. Um, I don't know how many people remember the baby book, um, Oh, from Dr. Spock? From Dr. Spock, yeah. And he, he, I heard him in an interview say, I wrote this book for a woman who has a screaming baby in her arms and, you know, doesn't know what to do next and is panic-stricken so she can figure it out easily. And that's 
exactly the attitude we took with this book. This is for you when you're upset, when things aren't working, when, when you don't know how to do it, or when you're thinking of getting into a relationship and you think you might not know how to do it in the future. It's intended for you to be able to grasp onto and actually use right from the very first moment. Tina, we only have 30 seconds, so I'm going to say thank you so much. I'm going to remind everyone, this is Dr. Tina Tessina. I'm going to pronounce it. I'm sorry, I'm going to spell it. T-E-S-S-I-N-A, and you can reach her at www.tina, T-I-N-A, Tessina, T-E-S-S-I-N-A, dot com. It's How to Be Happy Partners, Working It Out Together. Dr. Tessina, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this, Dr. Merle. Oh, thank you so much. Take care. This is Dr. Merrill reminding you to watch us on Facebook Live. My colleague Elizabeth Ibrahim has now joined me, and I, I think it's made it even better. So watch us on Facebook Live, Caught Between Generations. And as always, remember, do just one thing for yourself this week. It's really important, just one thing, because you're very important. Take good care of yourself. Thank you for tuning in to Caught Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week.